Psalm chapter 24, this morning I want to speak to you on the subject of a pure heart versus a double heart. There's some notes on the back of the bulletin if you want to follow along. A couple of weeks ago we began talking about a clean heart versus a wicked heart, and this morning we want to talk a pure heart versus a double heart. And I want to kind of zero in on verses 3 and 4 of this chapter of Psalm 24. It says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hearts, hath clean hands, and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, and not sworn deceitfully. He talks about having clean hands and a pure heart. In 2007, the Canadian Mint produced five special gold coins, each of them weighing 100 grams, with the face value of $1 million. That's right, a coin, one coin worth $1 million. Don't try to put that in the Coke machine. (laughs) Why was it so expensive? It was designed as a a showcase for the technological breakthrough that allowed the Canadian Mint, that was already the leader in the refinement of gold, to achieve a never-before-achieved purity of 99.999% pure. Less than 10 parts per million of other elements in that gold. The Canadians were quite excited, as you would expect, to tell others about the Mint's incredible accomplishment of what they called the 5-9 gold. 5-9 was 99.999, gold. And brag about the incredibility of the, of the purity of this particular gold coin. There's something appealing to us about purity, isn't there? Whether it's in gold, whether it's in the water that we drink, whether it's in our mor- morality in our lives, there's something appealing about purity. How about you and how about me? What about our hearts? Are we pure? Do we have a pure heart? As we think about that this morning, I want you first of all to notice with me the importance of a pure heart. Why is it so important that we have a pure heart? Again in our verse, verses, number, verse 3 says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. In other words, a pure heart is required for us to be in the presence of a holy God. And the reward of us having a pure heart is that we get to know God in a personal and an intimate way. By knowing Him, we're also able to understand how God sees things. We understand a little bit more about life and how He sees life. One of the verses that many of us know, part of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 and verse 8, It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God. God condemns that double-mindedness, which is really the opposite of a pure heart. It is what prevents us from having a pure heart. God condemns that in Psalm 12, verse 2. He said, they speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. A double heart. Chuck Swindoll, in his book, Growing Deep in the Christian Life, writes about a man who 
bought a fried chicken dinner for himself and for his date one late afternoon. The attendant at the fast food outlet, however, inadvertently gave them a bag with the proceeds from the day's business, a bag of money that was mostly cash instead of fried chicken. After they had driven to their picnic site, Swindoll writes, the two of them sat down to enjoy some chicken, and they discovered a whole lot more than chicken in the bag. There was over $800 in there. Now, many people would have kept the money and gone somewhere and bought themselves a much nicer lunch than KFC. But this man did something unusual. He quickly put the money back into the car, drove all the way back to KFC, and Mr. Clean got out, walked in, and became an instant hero. By then, the manager, of course, was frantic. The guy with the bag of money looked to the manager in the eye, and he said, I want you to know I came by to get a couple of chicken dinners and wound up with all the money in here. The manager, of course, was thrilled to death. He said, let me call the newspaper. I'm going to have your picture put on the, in the local newspaper. You're one of the most honest men I've ever heard of. To which the man quickly responded, oh, no, 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 don't do that. And he leaned a little bit closer to the ear of the manager and he said, you see, the woman I'm with is not my wife. You see, this man, Mr. Clean, really didn't have a clean heart, did he? He was what we would call double-minded. The importance of a pure heart is that though we're sometimes able to grasp the pure heart and we express genuine love to God and to others, sometimes we have a double mind. Sometimes we try to please God on one hand and try to please others on the other. And we end up yielding to the lust of the flesh and we end up yielding to the desires of ourselves at the same time. And so I think you can see a little bit about the importance of a pure heart. He tells us here in verse 3, Who shall stand in the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? The person who comes into the presence of God must do so with a pure heart. Secondly, let's look at the definition. What is a pure heart? What does it really mean to have a pure heart? The word pure that is in our Bible comes from the Hebrew word catharsis, and it means pure as being cleansed. It's amplified by a related word, katharizo, that means to purify, to cleanse, or to make free from admixture. Free from admixture. In other words, purity that is 99.999. There's not much other stuff in there besides purity. Purity is measured by the percentage of substance that matches the standard. That's the 99.999, matches the standard. Free from foreign elements in it. So a pure heart is one that seeks God without a double mind and without distraction of other affections. That is one that seeks God with his whole heart. And that's what God is looking for from us. Not a half-hearted Christian, but somebody who seeks the Lord with their whole heart. God's love toward us is pure. It's confirmed by the fact that he loved us when we hated him. 
But God commended His love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. The little girl went out to the country on a vacation. And the cabin where they stayed was next to a, to a grassy hillside on which there were a number of sheep grazing. She had never seen sheep before, and she looked out the front door of the cottage, and she could see the sheep milling around on that slope of the green grass. And, and she said to her dad, she said, Dad, the sheep are so white. They're like fluffy clouds of white on a sky of green. That night, the little girl went to sleep, and a snowstorm dumped about a foot of snow on the hillside. And when the girl awoke the next morning, she looked over on the hillside to see the sheep, and there they were in the midst of the falling snow. And she said, Dad, yesterday the sheep looked like fluffy white clouds, but today, look how dirty they are. You see, against the green of the field, the sheep were brilliant white. But against the white snow, they were dirty. You know, sometimes when we compare ourselves to other people, it's like the sheep on the green hill. We look pretty good, don't we? But when we compare ourselves to the pure righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, we almost become dirty brown. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8 again says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What does it mean to be pure? How would we define pure? I don't want to gross you out this morning, but uh, I'm going to for just a moment. <laughs> According to the FDA, for every four-ounce can of mushrooms, there can be an average of 20 or more maggots. That's according to the FDA. Oregano can contain 30 or more insect bits and two rodent hairs for every three ounces. There can be 450 insect parts and nine rodent hairs in every 16-ounce box of spaghetti. <laughs> Hope you're not having spaghetti for lunch. <laughs> you see, there's no, there's no way to get rid of all the critters that want to hitch a ride along the food processing chain. But the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has set some defect standards to keep them to a minimum. A candy bar can contain up to 30 or more insect parts and some rodent hairs. You'll like this one. Coffee beans are allowed to have an average of 10 milligrams or more of animal poop per pound. <laughs> I thought there was a reason why I didn't like to drink much coffee. Did you ever notice how coffee smells better than it tastes? When we think of purity, it definitely doesn't come in our food standards, does it? <laughs> but the FDA has deemed that all of this is acceptable. And to be honest with you, it hadn't killed any of us yet, has it? <laughs> we're still here. Well, we're talking about this statement from Jesus that those that are pure in heart will see God. So what does that mean? How do we get there? To start with, understand that Jesus is talking about being pure in heart. He's not saying to be pure in your effort. He says pure in heart. Usually we try to clean up our act by taking various actions in our life. We try to 
cut down on our food or start exercising or stop drinking or stop cussing or stay sober or or read the Bible and pray a little bit and live a sinless life. All of those things are good things, but they're outward activities. Jesus is talking about being pure in heart. He's referring to internal purity. He's speaking about your heart and my heart being in a right relationship to our Lord. He knows our hearts can change and they must change if we're going to please Him. When our heart changes, guess what happens? Our life changes too, doesn't it? When we change on the inside, we change on the outside. And then our lives reflect the process that's taken place inside us and we began to please the Lord not only inside but outside as well. And so the word pure means to be cleansed. What has been cleansed indicates that once it was dirty. Amen? And now it's cleansed. Now it's purified. Now it's washed. You know, the wonderful thing about getting saved is when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, He washes away all of our sin, doesn't He? None of us have a pure heart When we come to the Lord, thank God, He cleanses us. He makes us clean. He makes us pure. In fact, He says, though though our sins be red like crimson, they shall be white as snow. He washes them whiter than snow. He purges us. He cleanses us. And so purity begins with salvation. We trust the Lord as our Savior and all of our past is forgiven. And we are cleansed and God sees us in the perfection of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But as a Christian in our daily life, God wants us to have a pure heart as well, doesn't He? What's inside begins to affect the outside. And sometimes when we look at the world around us, it doesn't seem like things are working out just right. In fact, sometimes the Beatitudes almost seem awkward and backward to us. I want you to look at, if you're still in Psalm 24, go over a few chapters to Psalm 73. Look at Psalm 73 with me for just a moment. Psalm 73 is one of those psalms that's written by Asaph, who was the musician under David. And he tells us a little bit about our heart. And look at what he says there in Psalm chapter 73 and verse 1. He says, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a what? A clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And if you jump jump down to verse 13 and 14, you continue to see the struggle that's going on in the head of Asaph. He says in verse 13, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. Asaph was saying that his attempt at life with a pure heart was difficult. And his, his, his question is, what has it gotten me? I've cleansed my heart in vain. I've washed my hands in innocency. All the day long have I I been plagued and chastened every morning. I look around and others are arrogant and mocking God. They think that God is weak and helpless and, and harmless and they seem to be prospering. I feared God and look where it got me. 
In vain I kept my heart pure. He looked at some of the others and here's Asaph. He was faithful and he was righteous and good. And and he was saying, where did it get him? The reward that he got was suffering and pain and poverty. If God is good, isn't he supposed to bless us? Especially if we attempt to be pure in heart. We sometimes feel that way too, don't we? We look around and see what the unbelievers, we see what others are are experiencing. We look at our own self and we struggle. And as the psalm moves on, the psalmist sees the, the fiction behind the old belief of the retribution of God, that the good will be rewarded and the wicked will be punished. We know that's true in eternity. He's tempted to give up. Look what he said in verse 16. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. It was exhausting him to think about what was happening around him. But then something happened. And this is kind of neat. Look at what he says in verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. He said, I went into the sanctuary of God. I went into the church. I went into the temple. And then I understood. Somehow in the temple, he got a glimpse of hope. The presence of God can change a person if the person's willing to be changed. He isn't miraculously healed. He's still aging. He didn't get wealthy all of a sudden, but now he affirms with a new certainty, God is good to those who are pure in heart. Listen to his closing words in verse number 26. He says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. For Asaph, God was no longer considered to be a great cashier in the sky who rings up your good deeds with a great big thank you and hands you a reward every time you do something good. God is the one whose love never fails. The one who is there, who is not trivialized with our grand schemes that we have. But for Christians, God has a face. And the contours of that face are compassion and wisdom and tenderness and love and grace and mercy. And it's the great power and strength and courage that comes when we experience God. And God is good, but the God that is good is not a thing or things. Amen? The God that is good is a person. And what he gives us is miraculous. Sometimes we don't even recognize it because most of the time we're too full of ourselves and with all that we're involved in. You see, God's great gift to us is God himself. It's God himself. And yet if we're to be really honest, we still sometimes struggle when we try to do right and to live right and make sure that our hearts are pure and right before the Lord. Jeremiah helps us to get a little sense of that. Listen to what he said in chapter 19 or chapter 17 verse 9. He said, "The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it?" We don't always understand our own heart, do we? 
God says, who can know it? We do things and we say things sometimes that are exceedingly hurtful to other people. We tell stories sometimes when we don't really know the story. Jeremiah was correct when he said the heart is deceitful. Solomon added this in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 9. He says, who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from sin? We can't say that because we can't make our heart pure and clean on our own, can we? We have to have God's help. Only God can start that process in our life. We're only progressing, you might say, throughout our lifetime, becoming more like Him. We were made pure when we got saved in the eyes of God, but from the moment we get saved until the day we go to heaven, God is working a process in our life to purify us and to cause us to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ and to prepare us for heaven. In Proverbs 4, verse 23, he says, Keep thy heart, guard your heart, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You see, all of life flows through the heart. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so from our heart, from our innermost being, flows life. And we have to be careful because when we gossip, when we won't forgive, when we say hateful things, they're not necessarily coming from our brain, they're coming from our heart. Because our brain knows better. And sometimes, in certain instances, our brain takes control over our heart. and We don't do what we're supposed to do. But when we choose to help other people, when we choose to serve the Lord, when we choose to submit ourselves to God, we're doing those things from our heart because we have a heart that wants to please God. We have a heart that wants to serve God. We have a heart that wants to live for God. You see, we're here this morning. I hope most of us are because we have a heart that we want to be here where God is. He says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. He is here and we want to be there. If God's going to be there, I want to be there. Amen? And we're here because He's here. That heart leads us to make some life decisions. Our heart's not just a pulsating, beating organ in our chest. Our heart doesn't, it's not just something that we strengthen by exercise or good diet or is cured by a cardiologist. Our heart is our truest self. It's our innermost being. The heart is the part of us that feels. It's the part of us that delights, that grieves, that desires. And it's the place where sometimes we hurt others. The heart is the part of us where we meet God. It's the part of us where sometimes we avoid meeting God. Just like Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden when they had sinned. They tried to hide from God. The Bible says, The pure in heart, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See, when your heart is pure, you don't have to hide from God. You want to see Him. Impurity is what blinds us to God. It's what keeps us from seeing God. The divided, scattered, busy, stressed person grows anxious and he cannot see God and consequently he misses out on the blessings of God. We chase around hoping to find God, but we don't because oftentimes we're seeking to find God on our terms and not on His. And that's a big key. That's a big part of our life. We don't find comfort. 
We're anxious because we don't see God. So what's required? Maybe some mourning, maybe some grief, maybe some sorrow helps us to understand a little bit who we are and where we've been. It's repentance. It's an admission that we are sinners in need of God. Without Him, we're totally powerless and helpless. Without Him, we hurt others. So we seek God, we draw near to God so that we can find His grace and His mercy. And I'm glad that when we want to seek and draw nigh, we have a God who draws us. Amen? He reaches out and touches our heart and draws us to Him. And we accept His forgiveness for whatever it is that we've done. He washes away our sins. He cleanses us. He purifies us. He makes us, the Bible says, whiter than snow. He gives us a new heart, a changed heart. We gain a new peace that we never had before. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That takes place at salvation. We make peace with God. And then Paul says that as we follow the Lord and and obey Him and live for Him, He gives us the peace of God. The peace of God passes all understanding. It keeps our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And He gives that peace of God and that peace with God in our lives. And so thirdly, I want to look at the purpose for a pure heart. Why do we want to have, why do we need a pure heart? Look back at verse 24, or chapter 24 and verse 4 again. Verse 3, he says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. God requires a pure heart for those that come into his presence with their requests and with their needs. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, he says, Flee also youthful lust." But follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. David said in Psalm 66 verse 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Unconfessed sin in my life blinds me. I can't see God. He doesn't hear me. The ultimate purpose of a pure heart is to be able to love God and to love others without any admixture of good and evil motives. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22 puts it this way. It says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. When we have a pure heart, we love God, but it also causes us to love each other and to care for the needs of each other and to be aware of what's going on around us. So then number four, how do I get a pure heart? How do I get that pure heart that God wants me to have? Several things I need to do. First of all, get a clear conscience. As a child of God, if I'm going to have a clear heart before the Lord, I've got to work on my conscience. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Paul, the apostle, emphasizes the need for us to have a clear conscience. He said in 1 Timothy 1, 5, He said, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. And in verse 19 of the same chapter, he says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. 
In other words, the Apostle Paul said, if we're not willing to clear up the things in our conscience that are not right with God as a believer, it can cause us to become shipwrecked shipwrecked in our faith for the Lord Jesus Christ. Clear our conscience. Paul gave testimony to the fact that he himself maintained a clear conscience. He said in Acts 24, 16, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Sometimes we have to stop and ask ourselves the question, is there anybody that I have offended that I've never tried to make it right with them? Is there anybody I have done wrong to, mistreated, been unkind to, and have never gone back to make it right? Do we have a clear conscience? Secondly, if I want to have a pure heart, I must seek God with a whole heart. Seek God with a whole heart, with all of my heart. Any divided heart will grieve the Holy Spirit and quench His power in cleansing our mind and our will and our emotions. Let me read several verses. There are a number of verses in Scripture that talk about us having a pure heart, giving our whole heart to God. In Psalm 9, verse 1, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will serve, I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Psalm 111, verse 1, praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Psalm 119, 2, blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with a whole heart. Psalm 119, verse 10, with my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Psalm 119.34, Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Psalm 119.58, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. Psalm 119.69, The pride have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Psalm 119.145, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. Psalm 138 verse 1 says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. David began to seek the Lord by praising him with his whole heart. I mean being sold out, being totally committed, our whole heart seeking for the Lord and then searching out God and his commandments with his whole heart. David sought the word of God. He wanted to know what God's will was and how God wanted him to live. He wanted to know that with his whole heart. It's significant that God strengthened David's desire to seek him with a whole heart. And here's how God strengthened his desire. By raising up enemies that spread evil reports and false rumors about him. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes we think, well, if I seek the Lord with my whole heart, God will do everything wonderful and great in my life. God said, no, I want David to learn to seek me with his whole heart, so I brought some trouble. I brought some false prophets, some liars into his life, people that said things that weren't true about him, so that instead of getting bitter at those people, he would seek me and look for my help and look for my strength, and and he'd follow me with all of his heart. We too oftentimes get bitter. But David renewed his purpose to seek the Lord with his whole heart. So we need a clear conscience. We need to seek God with our whole heart. The third way to get a pure heart is to cleanse your soul with Scripture. Cleanse your soul with Scripture. The potential of the Bible, the Word of God, to purify our soul 
It's explained in 1 Peter 1.22. It says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Without a pure heart and a pure soul, it's not possible for us to have genuine love to God and genuine love towards others. But with a, few, a pure heart, we can fulfill the invitation of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We want to have a pure heart. We want to draw nigh to the Lord. The Lord says, let us draw nigh with a true heart. You know, the Lord said, if we'll draw nigh to Him, He'll draw nigh to us. You want to get closer to God? Just take a step towards Him. And every time you and I, here we are back here, I believe every time we take a step toward God, God's over here and He takes a step towards us. We draw nigh to Him, He says, and He'll draw nigh to us. Get close to God. Get in His Word. Get your, get your conscience cleared. Search, search for Him with all of your heart. And God will help you to have a pure heart. So in conclusion, let me ask you a couple of questions. First of all, do you sincerely desire to have a pure heart? Do we really want to have a pure heart? If that's the case, then let me ask you the second question. Have you asked God for one? Have you asked Him? First of all, have you invited Him into your heart and life as your Lord and Savior to save you? When He saves you, He cleanses you of all of your past I'm so glad all of our sins are forgiven and cleansed, amen, when we get saved. But then, after we're saved, we still want to keep a clear conscience and a pure heart, don't we? 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. So then, do we have a clear conscience? Have I come to the Lord and confessed my sin, made everything that I know of right with the Lord? Do I have a clear conscience with each other? Am I right with my brothers and sisters? Am I right with my family? I had a man one time, I knocked on his door. He had visited the church that I pastored years ago in Roanoke, Virginia, or outside of Roanoke. And he came and visited our church, and I went to see him, and he said, he, I was standing on his porch, and, and I talked to him about the Lord, and he said, Preacher, I can't get saved. I said, Why not? And he began to tell me the story about how his family, his parents had died and some of his brothers and sisters had cheated him out of all of the inheritance and they stole everything from him. And he said, I can never forgive them and I can't get saved. Well, what he was doing, he was saying, I can't get a clear conscience. I can't forgive. I can't clear up that conscience. And that one thing was standing in his way to asking God to save him. Let me tell you something. There is nothing in this world worth dying and going to hell for. Nothing. So do I have a clear conscience? Can anyone say that you've offended them and you've never tried to make it right? And then the next question is, what wrong affections are hindering your ability to seek God with your whole heart? What do I love more than the Lord that keeps me from seeking Him? Sometimes there are things in our life that we say, well, I, I, I could never give that up. You know, if we could get the alcoholics to give up their alcohol, that would be a big step towards coming towards the Lord. If we get the a drug addiction to give up their... But what happens is it's not a matter of 
giving up. It's a matter of building a relationship with God that's so great that I say, you know what, I want him more than I want the drugs or the alcohol or the immorality or all the riches of the world. I want him. I want to seek him. And when we get to the place where we want him more than anything else, all those other things will fall off and fall away because we don't want anything to mess up that relationship with God, that fellowship. And then the last question, how will you know, how well do you know the word of God that's able to cleanse your soul? How well do we know God's word? Are we building God's word into our hearts and lives? Jesus said, if my word abide in you, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Does his word abide in us? Do we abide in him? You see, when we get pure heart in right relationship with the Lord, then we can ask and God answers our prayers. One of the reasons is because our will becomes his will. We want his will. And John said, if we ask anything according to his will, we know that we have the thing that we've asked for. When we get close to him, we want what he wants. This morning, do you want what God wants? Do you want for your life what God wants for your life? You know, I'm afraid that too many of us, we're living our life for ourselves. And we just kind of add God along the way because he's nice to have as a part of our life. But there's more to it than that, isn't there? God says, I'm looking for somebody who has a pure heart that'll seek me with all of their heart. God, I want you more than anything else in this world. And if we as Christians get to that place in our life, we'll have one of the greatest revivals we've ever seen. When I want him more than anything else. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Would you just put a burning desire in our hearts for you? As David said, as the heart, the deer, panteth after the water brook, so my soul panteth after thee, O God. Would you give us a hunger for you? And a hunger to have a pure heart, a clean heart. There's none of us that are perfect. We all have to come back to that confession and clearing our conscience over and over and over again. But may our heart's desire be, Lord, I want you. I want to be in your presence. Who gets to come into the presence of the Lord? Asaph said, those that have a pure heart. Lord, we want to be in your presence. We want to sense your presence. We want to know you. Would you help us to search for you with all of our heart? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>